Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Teenagers are really at this point where they're trying to figure out who they are. And so they, there's a lot of, I want to look good and avoid looking bad. And yeah. so in that case, it's always like a, if they do really want to look good, then they're totally open for saying really big visions. In this episode of On Coaching, I, Amanda Jaggard, and other Novus Global coaches, CJ Martindale, Laura Leffelar, and Johan Martinez-Kalilian get together to talk all things coaching teenagers. Teenagers can sometimes get a bad rap, but we have all found coaching them has been some of the most rewarding coaching we've done. Listen in as we talk about what ownership and integrity conversations look like with young adults, how to partner with a teen in their vision for themselves, and how to invite them into an empowered way of being that will serve them for the rest of their lives. We hope you enjoy the show. Are you looking to become a coach? Are you looking to grow in your ability to coach others towards amazing results? Coaching is a booming industry and with certifications everywhere, it's hard to know where to start or who to trust to train you to make a real difference in the lives of others. That's where the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching comes in. This isn't just an online course that you buzz through so you can call yourself a coach. At the Meta Performance Institute, you get to learn from coaches with thriving coaching practices, phenomenal track records, and some of the most successful clients in the world. The content is tailored to you depending on where you are and your coaching abilities. We have courses for people people at every level, whether you're starting completely from scratch or you already have a six-figure coaching practice. The Meta Performance Institute can help you get to the next level and serving others powerfully. To take our free assessment and see if the Meta Performance Institute is right for you, just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp.metaperformance.institute. We'd love to work with you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of On Coaching. And today we are so excited to talk about coaching teenagers. We love teenagers. And a lot of us here on this call, we've had experience in working with teenagers. And that comes up a lot, either with our clients in different environments of what does this conversation and how do we use these coaching tools when we are coming alongside young adults as they are growing up and launching into adulthood and the value of that. So I am your host today, Amanda Jaggard. And I have with me Laura Leffelar. Hello. Great. Uh, and CJ Martindale. Hello, everybody. And the one and only Johan Martinez Kalilian. Greetings and salutations. Are we sure we love teenagers? Because I feel like we may be <laughs> leading people astray. <laughs> we do. And I think that that's like sometimes teenagers will get a little bit of a bad rap sometimes. And, you know, we'll talk about, you know, perception is everything. And so I choose to so believe. So we choose to love them. Yes, that they are geniuses and wonderful human beings. And I love every time that I get to interact with one of them. To kick off, I'd love to hear from everybody what your experience, like just give us a brief, what your experience has been in working with teenagers and coaching teenagers and just that conversation. Joe, why don't you go ahead and go first? Yeah, so I actually am a motivational speaker as well as a coach. And that's where I started speaking was in the youth market. Mm-hmm. So I started speaking in classrooms to teenagers when I was 22 years old. I'm, I'm 42 years old now. And then that turned into assemblies and leadership rallies. 
traveling across America and eventually the world. And now I get to coach a lot of young athletes. Some of them are teenagers, uh, which is a whole different beast, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I love that, Joe. It's been been watching you work with kids for a really long time. I'm excited to see uh, what you have to contribute to this this conversation. And then Laura, go ahead and let us know what has been your experience with teenagers. Yeah, well, I'm in the same boat as Johan. I also coach athletes, and so in the earlier days of coaching athletes, it was uh, young athletes still in their teens. So have experience there. And then I've had a couple of clients who have hired me to work with their family. And so I've worked with the teenage children of my corporate clients as part of the contract that we have. And that's been... Yeah, just just a really neat angle on the coaching to be hired by the parent because they care so much about having the coaching for their child and getting to work with somebody who's at you know, the beginning or not quite at adulthood. So, and you have been an educator previously before a coach, right? So education background, education background. So I worked with preteens. So kind of, yeah, right. Coming up to those years and actually currently I'm a parent in that phase as well. Um, I have a daughter who's turning 12 soon and, uh, and two boys who are not quite at the preteen stage, but yeah, that's part of my everyday life as well. Exactly. Great. Um, and then CJ, what's been your experience? Yeah, I'm almost on the the flip side of both Joe and Laura. I started my journey in coaching, being coached by people in the space that we coach in now when I was 16. And so that's when my life, I would say, took blossom. I learned all about coaching and started using the ontological discoveries as a teenager. And so uh, I have a little bit of a different understanding of what it's like to be a teenager and and learn these yeah. things, which is truly a blessing. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, seven, eight years later, and I have the privilege of coaching and I have coached teenagers and currently am coaching teenagers and ideally get to provide the same amount of breakthroughs that for them that I once had. And so there's just a lot of passion there and energy that drives that conversation and and just a thrilling, thrilling vision for me. So CJ, wait, you're not 19 years old. I thought (laughs) my looks, I I might look like it. Thank you. I I have great, great looks. No short jokes. CJ, that's one of the things that I love so much about, about you and excited for that you're here for this conversation. And because I think so often when, when I'm coaching people, and like in their forties or fifties, people will say, I wish that I had these tools when I was a kid, or I look at teenagers, you know, my, my own in my own house and they have these tools. I'm like, gosh, what does that mean for you going into your twenties and your thirties? And you were like this living example of that. And this experiment of like, Oh, this is what it looks like. That's amazing. So, um, I, I acknowledge you for the work that you've done, And thanks for being here with this conversation today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And then my experience, I was an educator of teenagers before becoming a coach. So I taught in a juvenile detention center and probably used a lot of the coaching tools there that I didn't even know as a young person just out of college, but did a lot of that, did a lot of work with teenagers in the um, nonprofit space. And then I have two teenagers in my house. So I have um, an almost 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, two boys. And I got trained as a coach 
when they were eight and six. So they have been raised with this language and we use it a lot. They are around a lot of coaches. And so that is the common language for them um, as they hang out with all of us. And in fact, when I've coached teenagers of clients and then hired CJ actually, and Laura, your husband, Dan has worked with Xander, my oldest. Um, And I did, I hired CJ and uh, to work with Xander for six months in a contract. And it was wonderful in so many great ways as a parent to um, have my child working with, with a coach and CJ, the, the stuff that you, that he talked about with you still comes up in our, in our conversations. So thank you um, for that. (laughs) Yeah. It was a pleasure. So that's where we're coming from as far as all of our different experiences and interactions with these fantastic young adults. And to be honest, sometimes it's not as different coaching teens as it is adults. It's the same, it's the same conversation, um, but there are similar themes that come up, especially with human beings when they are in this adolescent stage of development. So to kick it off, I'll just, I'll throw out like, what are some common themes when you are talking with teenagers what are some common things that that come up that then you will put your coaching hat on to have conversations about? For me, I, I think a, one of the biggest ones that just happens with all humans in general is commitments, right? Like they are living in a different era of their life. I would say, you know, like they're mostly, you know, still all at home and they're living uh, under the roof of their parents and things like that. But a big conversation with teens is always, how do I keep my commitments? Because they have a commitment to being really good at school or being really good at their hobbies or their passions. It's a vision that they're connected to, right? And and honestly, they happen to have almost more of a vision than sometimes adults do because they're they have the entire life, uh, their their entire life ahead of them. They don't necessarily have stories that are running their current reality. They're free and they're open and they're free to be and free to act. And so commitments tend to be one of the biggest things. And then, and then which I touched on is vision, which is always so fun to talk about because they're not tied down to anything yet. Yeah. I would say one of the biggest things I see is there's many teenagers who don't own their life yet. Yeah. So they've given away the keys. And I think part of it is our own construct as adults, where we do think we're going to tell you everything you need to know instead of mm-hmm. teaching you how to think for yourself, how to push back, how to create a vision, how to come with questions, right? So sometimes uh, for my younger athletes, they will come to our coaching calls and all they're there to do is just hear me teach them something, Yes. right? So one of the first things I retrain them on is like, guess what? I'm not here to teach you anything. You're here to bring the value. You're here to come with what you want to work on. And that it's funny because you could feel the tug of war because they're like, just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> Instead of like, yeah. actually, what you need to know is to learn how to bring value whenever you want to create it, whenever you want. I was going to say ownership too. And just from a slightly different angle that they have the opportunity in coaching to step up and to decide what they want, like CJ said around vision, and then to take ownership. And so whether it's you know in the commitments that they make or just how they're talking about what they want to do and what might be possible, that it's not anybody else's fault if it's not happening. It's not, you know, the circumstances or I was too tired or you know, whatever the excuse might 
be or what might come up for them, but learning that skill and building that muscle of I'm doing this, I'm taking ownership, I'm not finding reasons for this not to work or to blame it on. I think as a, as a parent and as I talk to other parents, that is one of the main complaints. And you know, around here, if you haven't heard it, so, you know we love complaints. They reveal latent vision. But we, as a, as a parent, I can get so frustrated because my kid isn't taking ownership. They are wanting me to to step in, mostly because I've created that system. You know that system has been set up and it's working for everybody. But the the complaint is that they're you know um, not getting up for school on time when they need to get up for school or, you know, nope, you need to eat lunch every day. What are you going to do about it? It is moving from being a child to that adult way of thinking and having that ownership. I find, or even, you know, with my friends and when we're (laughs) complaining about what our kids are doing, what we're frustrated about, it oftentimes will have to do with like the root of it is ownership and them stepping into, to that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how much we've talked about this as a firm, but I was just having this conversation with my wife the other day. And I was just like, I just feel like as parents, it's so easy to teach your kids what to think, you know, and and essentially it's easier to control them that way than, right. It's, and there is still a tug of war, but at least you're, you're kind of leading things there in a certain sense, right. So that they look the way that you look or think the way that you think, instead of doing something altogether different, which is what if we taught our children how to think and what does it look like to lead a young mind and be able to ask really strong questions to, to wrestle with a lot of things that I think we do as coaches to flex this brain that we have. And it is a lot more messy, like so much more messy. And I think I was raised, you know, where children should obey their parents Right. And so there is this even hierarchy in the home. And so my job is to have authority and to tell my kids what to do and for them to obey. But to raise children who think for themselves, there are costs and payoffs to both. I will tell you. Go ahead, go ahead, CJ. Yeah. No, it's just going to touch Johan, what you said. It's so funny that you mentioned that because when I was getting into it, like I said, when I was 16, I come from a farming family. And so my future to me seemed it seemed predetermined. Like I would just grow up, I would take over the land, I would, you know, do whatever I had to do. And I would turn into like the man that my father was raising me to be. But I had I had aspirations around that age that I truly did not want to do farming. And then I got introduced to this work and it created such a way of being for me to where I noticed like I can control my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I can control what's being said to me. I can control how I deal with certain situations. And if it wasn't for coaching at that age, there is a, a very decent chance that I would be in a, a completely different life than I have right now. Probably one on the farm, <laughs> and which is fine. That's totally fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But just the ability to like choose and to have the power as a teenager is so unique. Like mm-hmm. it created a whole world of being for me. Yeah, and I don't think like whether it be parents or if you're involved in a teenager's life, I don't think most of us understand the cost of only teaching them what to think. Mm. Right. So I have a couple of clients right now that are so afraid to share their vision with their parents because essentially they feel like their parents will not accept them if they share their vision for their life. 
And I think that's the great travesty that we've created, right? Is, is to create terms for our kids, for our teenagers to say, if you think like me, if you look like me, if you behave like me, then I'll love you, right? Instead mm-hmm. of saying you can you can look the way that you want, think the way that you want, behave to a certain extent <laughs> the way that you want, and I will still love you and accept you, right? And 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 I think it's a big time cost that creates a lot of tension with some of the you know the clients that I have because they're like, how can I truly be myself with my family? I mm-hmm. feel like if I share this thing, they'll reject me. Yeah. And the, and the neat thing about coaching people at this age is that they're still, it's, it's almost like society and possibly their family are waiting for them to create this. How are you showing up in the world? Who do you want to be? What are you about? It's kind of naturally forming at that part of their life. So to have the coaching space where they're getting to have conversations and being intentional around, okay, so who am I? What do I, what am I up to? And what does that mean? What's the good I do in the world? How do I operate? You know, what's my integrity? Like, you know, all these conversations that we're having, it's kind of a natural time for it. And they get to step into that with an intentionality that, man, I wish I had CJ. I'm jealous. Uh, I wish I had when I was 16. Yeah. So it's neat to see them considering things like that. And there's, I mean, even with my like older adult clients, sometimes there is a resistance to getting clear on, on a vision because it's easier to just go payoffs to just going through life and having somebody pick a vision for you and doing the next thing in front of you and the pleasing. I think like I work with a lot of high performing people who have been very obedient and good children growing up and not ever really having that space held is like, what do you want? What do you really want? Right. And so then those are conversations people are having in their forties and their fifties, you know, as they are actually like sitting in that question for the first time. And so to hold that space for someone at 13, 14, 15, it's so partly in CJ, we were talking, um, you, you coached, you coached Xander for, for six months. And it was I, like, I can have those conversations with him all day long, but it's so different when he was sitting across from you. Yeah, there's, I think there's such a different relationship between child and adult or child and parent versus client and coach. Because I can show up and I can be fully advocating and loving them in their life and what I want to be the best for them. But then there's just some natural you know, you can call it cognitive dissonance, or you can call it fear or ad hominem attacks, whatever. But when it comes from a parent, typically it's going to seem more personal. I make up, you know, every time my dad, although he was advocating for my growth in his own way, or my mom or any person, right, who's like a direct parent, they're advocating for my growth. But I, if I hear it from them, it's so personal and it's going to immediately for me, I'm going to come up with, you know, an ad hominem attack as opposed to considering that what they're saying is a true possibility. And so that's the the fun thing with a coach is like Xander or any other teenager can come take a stand with me and say, I'm not going to accept anything you're saying as truth, but I will take it on as a possibility and I'll see what happens from that. And that is such a powerful stance for not even just teens, but every person, whenever they're considering an opportunity or an option is like, can I, is this a possibility? I don't know, but I'll take the stand it is and I'll see I'll see what I get from it. 
What did those conversations look like with him? Like, what did, uh-oh, without, re- without revealing yeah. too much, um, you know, just, you know, clients she's that you had notes. potentially. For those that can't see Amanda right now, she's taking copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> she's ready, pen in hand. But I mean, there is a, like, CJ, pull back the curtain a little bit for us. Like, what is that? What does that look like when you invite them to take a stand? You know, I'm honestly, it's somewhat easier than when you're coaching an adult and I'll, I'll get really specific and clear what I mean by that. When you're coaching an adult, you have 30, 40, 50 years of built up knowledge that they're really holding on to. And this was really big for me to see. And I, I had, I, I have not lived 30, 40 years holding on to things. So I, I don't know what it's like, but I do know when I'm coaching clients, a 40 or 50 year old, they happen to have a lot of stories that they're holding on to. And it's really hard to break that apart. And when you're working with a teenager and me, when I started learning, all I knew was possibility. All I was looking for and searching for was how do I have someone create a life where I can decide? And so you don't have to dissect and take apart a whole lot of story. It's much easier. Their language isn't as complicated. You know, like if you ask someone to tell you a fearful story when they're five years old versus 20 years old, when they're 20, there's going to be a whole lot more story there than when it was five, they would have just said something like something's wrong here. Right. So it's it's just yeah, the same thing with the 16-year-old versus a 40-year-old. They don't have as much story or language or whatever to pack on to, you know, how do I feel good and set my ways. That's so good. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And yeah, when people, even to go back a little bit in the conversation, we were talking about the costs of if we tell our kids what to think, you know, I think that puts people in a position of then going along to get along sometimes and they do things. And then we are having conversations, like Amanda said, with people, you know, in their forties and fifties, sometimes later I've had clients in their sixties who are going, okay, now uh, I've never really considered that I can create whatever I want. And, and I think even along the way with that, there are different, possibly different, like you talked about the cost, the ways that people look to control their life rather than stepping into ownership around creating the things that they really want. And they can pick up things that end up costing them in other ways and holding them back. And it's almost like then it it really slows things down. And yeah, to CJ's point, there's a lot more to peel back the layers on than in a system like that at age 40, 50, 60. So with a teenager... There is a freshness and like all I see is possibility or, you know, this is what I get to consider that is, yeah, I like that. You said that CJ, all I see is possibility. Um, That's just really sticking out to me right now. We have some exciting news to share with you. But first, have you ever wondered what tools and techniques our coaches use to do what they do at Novus Global? Or maybe you've just wanted a one-stop resource for coaching that you can use with yourself and those you lead. Well, for the past several years, we've been working on a book that shows you how to do just that. It's 250 pages where we pull back the curtain to show you our method for helping leaders go beyond high performance. We packed this thing as full as we could with great tips, 
content, and stories from our clients and coaches on how they apply the tools we use every day in work and leadership. And while our book won't be out until this summer, we wanted to give you an opportunity to begin engaging with the material right now. To do that, go to novas.global backslash book where you can sign up to be a part of the Beyond High Performance Network, where we'll be handing out advanced copies and chapters from the book, doing free interactive webinars with our top clients and coaches, and other free resources and surprises that I think you are going to love. So if you don't want to wait until the summer to get access to the book, if you're longing to be part of a network of leaders that all want to go beyond high performance, or if you simply want more free resources from our world to help you and your team, then head over to novas.global backslash book and sign up today. Word hope just is like in my, it's mm-hmm. like, it's so hopeful and sitting in that space with them. And yeah. the commitments, commitments are so like black and white to them also. It's like, I, did you do it or did you not do it? And they, that they're really clear about that. And the difference, I think, also between Clear with you, that's yeah, not that's what happens what I, in my house when we have that conversation. That's, so that's what I was just gonna say is I it's different with parents. There's a yes. uh, like there's a lot of you can call it excuses or whatever. I don't know. Because because teenagers are also at that stage. This is, I would say, one of the more difficult parts is teenagers are really at this point where they're trying to figure out who they are. And so they there's a lot of I want to look good and avoid looking bad. And yeah. so in that case, it's always like a which you know brings some some a lot of adventure to it because if they do really want to look good, then they're totally open for saying really big visions. But if they definitely want to avoid looking bad, then they're gonna you know that's sometimes where it's a little more difficult to coach around because maybe they're you know lying or they're cheating it a little bit or they they're telling you what you want to hear. They know what works for them, so uh, that's the part where I would say it becomes a little more difficult because it's harder for them to truly out themselves more so than it is uh, an adult, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, one of the, really the the first place that we construct our identity is within the family unit. Mm. And I think what most, again, I, I don't think we always have the tools, right? So as, as parents, do we have the tools so that we can look at our kids and say, now's the time where your identity is no longer latched to this family. You will always be a part of the family, but it's time. And I think this is why I love cultures that have a very clear rite of passage story or practice for rite of passage, because it's saying now's the time where you become your own person. Right. And I think that's part of what we get to do as coaches is we essentially we get to have a lot of these conversations with adults because there are 40 year olds, 50 year olds who have still not figured out who they want to be for themselves. And so imagine the superpowered nature of having this type of conversation with a teenager where you're like, okay, you get to figure that out right now so that you're not a 40-year-old basing your identity on your family or your work or the results that you create or fill in the blank of whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and to build on that, I would say when you're then talking to a teenager uh, like that, another thing I've noticed is that there's a different curiosity because if I ask them a question and they don't get it, I mean, they're, they're still in school. They're used to being a student. They're used to asking questions. So there's often more of a willingness to go, I don't know what you mean. Can you, you know, can you tell me more? Um, or, you know, to say, I don't know what the word such and such means, you know, and, and to get curious in the coaching space and to be willing to be a, a student 
And I think often when we're coaching adults, there's more of a, you know, I need to have it together. I can't admit if I don't know what that word is or if I don't know how to use that concept and things like that. So it's really fun coaching teens because I think it even it helps me be a better coach because it helps me realize where I might be unclear in my questions or I could slow things down in a way that serves the person regardless of their age. They're willing to play in in a more curious way too, I find sometimes. Yeah. To speak to that, you brought up a memory for me, a very distinct one. I remember the very first time that I heard about the word integrity, and I honestly didn't know what it meant when I was learning about it when Mm -hmm. I was 16 or 17. Like I, I, I know enough, like I, the typical kind of world standing of like good versus bad or like right versus wrong. Like you had it's a moral a vir- it's understanding a of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, it's a virtue. I want to be that person who, who has high integrity. And then, uh, but I wasn't like stuck. Like I didn't really know. I just knew kind of the very broad definition of it. And then when I started learning like, okay, integrity is like how you create power with your word and how you start uh, you relate to your word as honoring it and how you can create different results and the scope and magnitude and like all these things like that came up, like that became my definition of integrity. It was no longer the first one because I didn't know much about it. And you can take that word and apply it to any distinction we talk about. Like ownership was another one. Like if I could take on the possibility that I am the sole person who, who has ownership of everything that's occurring to me in my life, like I didn't know that was a thing. And when I, when I started learning at, like at a young age, it was, it shaped how powerful I could be. And so I just love that you brought that point. It's, it's so unique and it's so fun to talk about. CJ, I love the, I think the, the integrity conversation that you had with Xander was so big, I think in just in the, even in the context of our own home and using that, like, I don't know if that, like when I'm talking with even other, other parents or even adults in, in the workplace, and we start talking about commitments and agreements, sometimes that those words, like they're not common in the vernacular of, of a home. It's like, great. What are you committed to? I have a request. Would you be willing to make a commitment and make an agreement? And then we have a broken, you know, commitment and and talking about that. Like I wasn't raised in that. I don't find that to be super normal, but it is the conversation that we, like I use that word a lot and they use it with me. Hey mom, can we get a commitment from you? Because they know that integrity and honoring our word matters in our house. That conversation that you were having... CJ, like what oftentimes does that conversation go like with a a teenager? Yeah, that's good. I think at the very beginning, it's breaking down what commitments mean to them. Mm -hmm. You you even just brought up a really important distinction between you and and your children. Like if they're asking you, hey, can we commit to something? That means that that's like a trust builder, right? Like that's how we build trust. Like can I ask for you for a commitment? Because if you say yes, then I know it's going to happen or we're going to have a conversation about how to make it happen. So mm-hmm. first having a conversation about what they believe commitments will provide for them and, and in their life, because they're at the stage where they just think life is happening to Like life is just occurring. Like that's just the way life is. That's kind of how they think things are. Like wake up tired. Some days you just wake up tired. I, you know, have bad grades. Sometimes, you know, I'm not so smart as other people or whatever, like the story is like, that's just things that come up. And when you start introducing to them, the idea that through the mind, you can create new ways to relate to things. You can create 
certain distinctions. You can create power with your word. You can start to say, I'm going to have straight A's and make straight A's happen because of steady guidelines and like commitment-based life. You just make things that happen that they didn't think were possible before. And then they're bought in. It uses them. They don't want, they don't have to think about integrity anymore. That's at least how it happened for me. I discovered the distinctions and then it uses me. I don't have to think about like, I don't have to, you know, think about a certain distinction. I have to read it often. It just uses me because I have the discovery of the breakthrough. Like I opened the fridge and I saw the Grand Canyon. Like there was an aha moment, you know? Well, and, and it, like, we're such pragmatists. Like, again, like I said, before, like they're geniuses, right? So like it works. And once they see that it works, I think as a, as a parent, I would invite them into commitments. But when they started to see that it worked going the other way and to your point that that trust was built and that they could ask me for a commitment. So I had said with my youngest that on Wednesdays, I would pick him up from school and we would go and get a treat. And then things got scheduled on my calendar. And, and he was like, but mom, we had a commitment. I was like, that's right. We had a commitment and now that is a block that is not changeable in my calendar. Or if it is, it's a renegotiation of the commitment, but we honor that with each other. And that does, that builds, that builds, it builds trust and connection in our relationship and showing a workability there. But it also teaches him the power of that and commitment. And, and then he is invited to make and keep commitments with me, which I, I have found is, uh, and it's not perfect. It's still really, really messy because we're, we're human. Um, but even just having the language and knowing that that is a tool available to us to make our life happen and move forward in the vision that we want has been so powerful for me as a parent too. I'm wondering, have you guys ever had a, a young client who has said they followed through with the commitment, but then they're lying? Yeah. Like, have my kids ever lied to me? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Not, not your kids, right? We're talking about the clients. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the experiences I had with a younger client and the parent is the one that said, hey, I don't think they're following through with some of these commitments, right? Where it was, again, exposing a bigger system. And then I think this is part of where it gets very interesting from a coaching standpoint, because then we get to ask questions to the parents to be like, oh, well, why do you think that's their way of being right now, a way of showing up? Why do you think they're prone to lying about something that they're not following through with? And then that's what you hear the parents say, well, because they're X, Y, and Z, <laughs> because they just, you know. Which is that, you know, so now I'm, I'm like, as, as a parent, it's like, yeah, because I think the, and this was coming up earlier in the conversation for me, it, there's this pesky thing called shame, right? And we we do, we are wanting to to hide and look good and save face. And I have found in my own parenting, it's it has been a challenge for me to parent not using shame as, as a motivator. Um, it's hard for me. It's still a challenge to do that in my own life with myself. And so then naturally doing that with my kids, I'm so grateful for this coaching work because I think that that has been one of the major spaces of if my, if there's lying or hiding going on in my house, it's because shame is existing somewhere and how could I, to me taking ownership of how could I be contributing to that system to create a place where my kid might be hiding something from me? So there's a little bit of a be careful what you wish for 
if your kid is stepping into ownership because it goes hand in hand with you as a parent also being willing to have ownership around what exists in the family and how, you know, things run and how you operate with them and all that kind of thing. And yeah. that's the great point, Amanda. Cause that's the thing, right? It's if you ask the, the parent, how are you complicit with your child's line? But I think that's the wrestling. And I think that's what makes there's nuances to coaching a teenager, because I think what's necessary is developing a relationship with the parent so that you can also ask them hard questions from time to time, because sometimes parents will bring you a kid and say, fix them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then of course, as, as a coach, we know that that's not the way that it works. Nope. Right. Because there is a system that has created this young person and whoever's bringing you the young person is a part of it. And do they want to take ownership of what they have created? Mm. I recently just signed a new client who she's 14. And one of the questions that I asked her is, what do you think it's going to take from you to get the most out of our coaching? And I'm wondering what you guys would say for teens, how they should show up or what they should bring to the call in order to be fully open or transparent or create the most amount of breakthroughs. I don't think there's any should because it's different for each person. It's going to depend how they work, what they're up to, what their vision is like, but looking at what's going to be the most helpful for you. And CJ, that's a great way to kick it off because you're already putting the question out there to serve her that's, okay, what's most helpful for you what do you want? What do you want to do about it? Um, and inviting her into that, even in the setup. Which is different than oftentimes when you show up to a classroom and you get told this is what you need to do in order to be successful, right? Mm. It is the, yeah. you know, like you are in charge here, you own the space. And I think that that is such a gift to give to a 15 or a 16 year old, because sometimes there might not be a whole lot of spaces that they feel that in. Our schools sometimes aren't necessarily set up that way. And so there aren't places where they have sole agency and control over either how they're going to show up or the results that they want to get out of it. It hasn't been declared by some adult in their life. So I think like even just like the value of having that space where they can have full agency and full ownership and somebody is advocating for that for them. So they can even just like feel that might not be in all, like a lot of other places in their life, but in that one moment, like they can feel it and begin to put that on and then show up in other places as that powerful person. Yeah. Cause I think then when they're showing up powerfully like that, they get to start tuning in to who are their people, you know? Cause I know, so our daughter is preteen, but she shows up pretty powerfully and clearly in advocating for situations in our house. There's a lot of ownership conversation and, okay, so that happened. And now what are you going to do? And so I, I know she has already been noticing some people when she goes, okay, let's have a conversation about what happened. And they, they, they're not up for it. And there are some people who are like, thank you. Yes, let's. And they move into it, right? And so she's getting to see who appreciates when she shows up powerfully and choosing her people and um, her spaces. And I know we're kind of blending the conversations of coaching teens and this work in the lives of our kids who are coming to that age too. But it's like, this work is powerful and giving it to a person at that age 
what they begin to be able to discern with it is huge. Um, I think it, I think it also sets them in a position of being able to determine that stance in the world where it's like, Hey, not everyone's going to appreciate what I say. And I don't need them to, I don't need like what other people think of me is none of my business kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And learning that sooner because of how powerfully and clearly they're showing up out of that ownership conversation. And they're part to tag on what you said about choosing. That's really powerful because if there is the question of how do you want to show up, then they get to choose who they're going to be in the space. Like they can choose to show up curious or they can choose to show up, you know, powerful or commitment based or choose whatever word, just replace that. And then they have a breakthrough in the coaching session. And then they get to see the power of, man, I can choose how I can be and I can choose how I can act and make a breakthrough. And then that just reinforces their ability to learn what it's like to choose and that they can choose their life or they can choose like whatever is coming up for them. Like they can choose it as opposed to things just happening to them. Right. I wouldn't, because initially what you asked CJ was like how to set them up so that they show up to the coaching at the highest level possible. Right. And for me, because I think instead of the how, it is it is about the who. It is is it's letting them know I'm actually more interested in who you want to be at the outset. And so if we were to give them a couple of like starter kits for if you choose to be curious, if you choose to be proactive, right, and intentional, then you're gonna create some power here. And even if it's that that's just like your one-two in terms of choose to be this type of client up front. And I guarantee you something meaningful will occur. You will experience transformation, right? Growth, all the good things that we get to talk about as coaches. So instead of a how-to, which I think a lot of clients, when they get older, that's part of what they want with us too. It's like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And we shift them away from the how to what if you were the type of person who could figure out whatever you needed to, whenever you needed to. Exactly. Yeah. With my kids, they have tended because we've had this powerful conversation for a while. But then it, there is an, where they don't want to be told what to do. And so, as a parent, like that was never going to work in my house anyway. So, I know, especially with my younger, at least for me, there has been like a discipline of patience in waiting for him to come in, like come into that himself to take full ownership of his decisions and his life. And it might be really hard to sit and allow the consequences or like the things to play out of his choices. Um, It would be easier probably to set rules or tell him what to do and how to do it, like to let it play out because it's amazing. And it, I think this is true just for us and humans in general. When we take hold of that vision for our life and we become committed, we own it and we step into it. And there's not a fight, there's not the resistance. And so I, I just find as a parent or like waiting for kids, sometimes we might want them to change really fast and like get it and like do it. But there is a, a coming alongside and continuing to have the conversation of what are you observing? What are you noticing? Let's get curious on if this is working and what it is like, what is it that you want? Constantly going back and anchoring into that vision. What are you committed to with your life? What do you want? What's your vision? And I found with my kids, when I hold that conversation, instead of wanting to move directly to the, this is what I want you to do. It is just so much more powerful. And the change, the transformation 
happens much faster than it would if I would just give a bunch of rules that I want them to do. If you want to make the most of your life, you've got to learn how to manage your energy. And if you want to manage your energy, you have to know what motivates you. That's why Novus Global created a free assessment to help people around the world discover what's motivating them and how to maximize that to accomplish everything they want in life. Novus Global's motivation assessment helps you understand the five different motivators everyone experiences and which of those five are most powerfully affecting you in your life and leadership. This free assessment includes your results and an ebook describing the five motivators and how to make the most of your personalized results. To take the assessment, go to novus.com global forward slash assessment. That's Novus, N-O-V-U-S dot global forward slash assessment. It's time you finally created a life that is deeply satisfying and energizing. So go to novus.global forward slash assessment to take our free motivation assessment today. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. I love that you said that. Like, what is easier? Is it easier to tell your kids what to do to where tasks might get done? Or is it easier to live like a healthy family life to where you guys respect each other and there's no fighting and there's no like this or that. There's mm-hmm. just strong communication and good distinctions. Like it might be easier to tell your kid what to do so you don't have to do it. Sure. But I'm sure that you would rather take a healthy living relationship well, over that. And that also puts you in that first system in the position of telling them what the consequences are, which puts you in the seat of like being the enemy. Bad and totally being the bad guy, like drama triangle stuff, Amanda. Mm-hmm. And when you get out of that system and it's natural logical consequences, as in every action has a consequence, let's see what it is, then it takes you out of that and then you get to come alongside them. However, in terms of payoffs and costs of both systems, sometimes that can be tough, you know, because you're watching them suffer. You're watching them. You're you're like, I wish I could just fix this. I wish I could get you to do it, you know, but you're, you're watching them do the work. And so there can be a cost to watching that and seeing them experience that. And sometimes they're very vocal about that, but yeah. Yeah. Consequence is such a funny word as well, because you just reminded me when I was coaching Xander, I said the same thing. I said, every action has a consequence and we just have to see if it's good or bad. Uh, And he was like, what? Consequence is negative. That means like it's a bad thing. And it's so funny just dissecting like what consequence actually means. It can mean, it means every word means whatever we uh, associate it with based off of how we're raised, but consequence doesn't inherently mean bad. It just means every action has a consequence and we'll see what it is. And that was so fun to have that conversation with Xander. It was you know, like breaking down something as simple as the word consequence, but it led to a a breakthrough conversation. Which that concept is so powerful in and of itself. And then when you put that in the coaching space, when they have developed a vision, the the power of that is dialed up even more. You know, Johan can probably jump in here as well. But when I coach athletes and they have a very clear vision of the kind of career that they want and the kind of teammate that they want to be, then we get to have conversations about what actions do you think would bring those kind of, let's call them consequences. You know, um, when you think about your own leadership results and you know, that those conversations go hand in hand. And so when you think about the kind of leader that you want to be, how would you be showing up now to start creating those consequences or results of your actions and they care about it in a different way than yeah. what should you do, right? No should, 
just uh, no shame in the conversation, no expectations from outside forces. What matters to you when you think about what you want to create? Yeah, it's, it's making me think of Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, right? Where essentially she's encouraging us and anybody, well, whether if you're a parent or if you're working with kids to shift the way that you're raising them, training them, teaching them, speaking to them, right? Because there's a lot of young people. And even I think maybe all of us could say at some point it was us who had a fixed mindset, Mm -hmm. right? Where we were more interested in the result and getting the praise for the result than really loving the process, you know, and the journey. And that's part of what she's inviting us into as people who work with kids or raise kids is what would it look like if you're no longer praising them for that, but you're now praising them for their character, their effort, their process. That would make our lives a lot easier as coaches because I feel like that's some of the unlearning that we're doing with people. And really, like I said, no matter what the age, it I would say it's easier with young people because of what CJ was saying, which is that they don't have as many tangled webs, you know? But I think that's a huge move that we can all make and that's part of what I'm thinking about is like, as we have this conversation, how can whoever's hearing it actually put some of this into practice? I think that's a big shift that you can make if you're working with kids or raising kids and you find yourself praising them for outcomes. Good job. You just did an amazing thing. Rethink that and start to actually praise them for their character, their effort and their process. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I think about, we talk about you know vision and reality and in between you have the gap. And we talk about loving the gap. And there's a lot of times as a parent that I don't love the gap when it comes to my kids. And so I do want the outcome and I get frustrated when it isn't, isn't there. And so as a parent to be reminding myself, no, love the gap because that is creating an opportunity for growth. And the, the bullseye here is growth not comfort and me feeling good or them feeling good. Like it is. So when, you know, struggling with you know, homework struggles or uh, staying up too late or reminding my, you know, the, the kid isn't up to, to get ready for school. It's like, okay, love the gap. <laughs> this is an opportunity for learning and growth. And when I show up that way as a parent or, you know, loving the broken commitment, it's, I think it's interesting to me. I'll show up one way for my clients and then the challenge to show up that way with my kid is so much, I think, growth growth for me. But that is the, it is, it's, it's loving the gap, having the focus be the growth. And there's just, that's power in that for, for them. Absolutely. I think there, you know, could be an episode in the future where we talk about kids and, and the coaching work too, because Johan's uh, parenting a toddler. <laughs> she's one year and she's, well, she's a strong it starts. One. Yeah. It does. It starts, right? Because you're even already describing how, you know, we can start conditioning them from that young of an age to see their, you know, the praise that they get is moralized. Good job, you know, and we're conditioning them that way. And anyways, there's, there's a lot to talk about. I think this work is powerful, even right from the beginning of parenting. To your point, I think people ask me like, like, you know, clients, it's like, how early can you start talking about this with kids? I'm like, as early as it, as it comes, like they're, 
like living it. And that's, it's like, what does it look like for that to be the culture of our home? What does that look like? The, the language, the empowerment, the vision, the commitment, the integrity, the, the ownership, the loving, the gap, like, what is that? Like, if we're all living in that, and I think it's like in any place that like schools, what does it look like? It can be very shame, like shame as a tool for motivation, teams, athletic teams, like, what does it look like for these cultures where these humans are young and hopeful. For me, I, I get really excited about it because like, oh, we're just one generation away from people having this mindset and the, the world having it. And so I, I love, like, yes, as early as possible, yeah. please. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's the thing is, you know, for whoever's asking that question, whether it be a parent or a teacher, when you back up and say, well, what's the point of language? Because I think most people are going to be like, well, I teach them words to ask for what they want and to communicate with me. And it's like, cool, that's a great, maybe like entry level way of using language. But what if language is a much more powerful tool and that actually gives you access to creating worlds? And I think that's the almost like, again, the starter kit conversations. It'd be like, you want to have a really early stage conversation, a coaching conversation with your kids. Let's start with why you use language. Do you even know as an adult, what's the point of language or are you just kind of default teaching language? Yeah. And that, that that's so powerful too, because the second law of, of performance being that all occurrences rooted in language, I think that that creates how they're seeing things. And then there's the other thing that's called the already always listening, uh, which is just everything is being filtered through what they already have uh, knowledge of. And then the thing that is always listening, everything that is coming through everyone's ears, but a teenager's ears as well is how can I respond in order to, it's all a respond in order to, in order to be right, in order to look good, in order to, you know, replace it, but it's always going to be in order to, as opposed to authentically listening and based off of the fact that all occurrences rooted in language. That's I love that point, CJ, because then it's even are there predictable filters through which a teenager hears things? One thing we haven't even actually referenced is actual stages of development. And there's, you know, a whole element to that conversation as well. So are there are there things to consider in their stage of development and how they're listening and being able to have that framework in understanding how to serve them as we're coaching them? Yeah. The, the communication piece is so big. I remember in one of these courses I did back probably five years ago, it was about communication. And there were two parts to the exercise. One was your partner was supposed to intently listen to everything that you were saying and had to try and repeat every word back to you. And then the second part of it is when someone was talking, you were purposefully supposed to do everything you could to not listen. Meaning you get on your phone, you uh, send some texts, you send emails, you're talking to the person next to you. And it is you would be surprised how impossible it is to talk to someone when they are not listening to you. And it's because people are always talking and listening in order to for whatever reason. And it is so difficult. I would love to do that challenge My at some goodness. point. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm coming off a speaking engagement yesterday where I spoke to almost a thousand freshmen. Mm, and that's college awesome. or high school? High school. Okay. And when you, when you talk about having a conversation with people who are like giving you attention, <laughs> not giving you attention, talking in their phones, like it is, it is an art form to have one conversation 
with 1000 different people who are up to totally different things and like try to reel them in. But we could save that for another day. Yesterday was a tough one, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. As you're explaining that exercise, like that would be amazing. I'm like, oh, that would be so cool to do with teenagers. And even it's like, not because you should listen, but even just holding space for the question of what is your commitment to listening? Like I know with my kids, And that goes both ways, right? So what is my commitment to listening to my teenagers who sometimes don't want to talk to me? And then there's other times where the gates are just wide open and what, right? What is my commitment to them? And then them getting clear even on what their commitment is to me and listening and what that looks like. And then we can create, but because we have this language around, okay, what's our commitment to being like our, what's our vision for being a listener? And then what do the, what clear agreements do we want to make with each other? Like when I talk, like, are we going to be on the phone and all the things like what's our agreement in the car? What's our agreement at the dinner table? What's our, and now it just becomes co-created agreements based off of vision for who we want to be for each other, which for me, that's a whole other conversation than I don't like it. It's rude. And you're hurting my feelings. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I've loved this conversation so much. I feel like we could probably talk for a really, a really long time. Maybe we'll need to do a part, a part two uh, here at some point, but I'd love to, in wrapping it up, if you were going to give just one tip, like a final tip to people who are working with teenagers, a tip, a trick, a tool, uh, something like that. If you were going to give one tip to people working with teenagers, what would that be? I think for me, the biggest thing would be be with them. Mm. I think so often we are not with the teenagers that we say we care about. You know what I mean? Like we're there, but we're also somewhere else. And I think about, you know, not only some of the kids that I serve, but also my younger self and wanting the presence of people with wisdom to just sit with me, to hold space for what I was going through, you know, to reflect back, to be models of love and generosity and wisdom and curiosity and all these things that. I think we hold as very valuable from a coaching standpoint, you know, because that's now as I have a one-year-old, it's very tempting for me right now to be on my phone, to be half and half, you know, not to fully just be with her. And it's what's really interesting is even at her age, she can sense when I'm not all the way there. So this isn't necessarily like a how-to, it's more of like a notice for any parent or anybody who's working with kids is, are you actually with them? Are you actually in the same space at the same time? Do they have your attention? Are you listening? Are you connected? Mm -hmm. Are you honoring their humanity? Yeah. I was going to say something that's good. I was going to say something similar. Listen to them. Listen to what words they choose and what that can tell you about how they're thinking. Listen to whether they give the answer you expect And you're tempted to just run. Oh, great. You're on track. You're thinking how I want, you know, especially if there's a pattern, if they're saying the right things, help them notice that ask, you know, is that actually what they think? Give them a chance to say what they really think and really listen. And I think that actually probably goes hand in hand with being with them. CJ, what do you think? Yeah. Like I was going to say, do not take it easy on them. Mm-hmm. They can they can handle it. Yes. I don't I don't I don't know if I would have grasped onto the work so much if I didn't have someone who was such a fierce advocate of the work because 
at such a pivotal time in my life. Let's say that I tried it on and they took it easy on me and I decided that coaching didn't work for me when in fact coaching tried me and and I didn't work. You know, that's that I take yeah. that from Chris. Chris, I was gonna say. Yeah. And so don't take it easy on them. They can handle it. And then for the teenager, I would give some advice. Just be deeply curious about how it can possibly cause a breakthrough in your life. I love that. For me, I think it has been to do the work in myself. As I do the work in me, I am able to show up that way for my kids or my teenage clients. My kids can smell out when I am not being authentic or when I am out of alignment with my integrity and we have a home where they will let me know and they will give me feedback. And I think for me, the more that I do the work in myself of being curious, of having a vision, of anchoring into my integrity, anchoring into my ownership, that naturally is what then creates creates that with my kids. So thank you so much, Laura and CJ and Johan for hanging out with us uh, this afternoon. And to everyone listening, uh, we hope that this uh, was valuable to you as you work with the teenagers who you love and are with in your life. And so thank you for listening to another episode of On Coaching. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Laura. All right. We have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. We drop new episodes every week. So subscribe and watch us continue to learn to create resources that serve you powerfully. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from hundreds of clients around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. If you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. To start that journey, simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You also might be listening to this and maybe you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you want to build a six or seven figure practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp, as in meta performance, .institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you'd need to create a meta performing coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. Head on over today. And finally, and for some of you, this will be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer and Jeremy Davidson as editor and audio engineer. We love working with these guys. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.